You know, the funny part is actually that Facebook allows you to make a mistakes in your password. I did not know that. They yeah. actually do that. Yes. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the second episode of the Surfshark Wave podcast. I'm your host, Guidas, and today we have a fantastic show for you because we have an amazing guest with us today, Alexandru Valenti, who is security officer here at Surfshark. So how are you doing today? Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me uh, to spend some time during this uh, podcast. Well, this is actually the first podcast in my life. And it's quite unusual for me because usually I'm staying in shadow, you know. As information security officer, you're doing stuff what nobody sees. And if you're doing all right, nobody sees the result. So if nothing happens, then I'm doing good. It's like watching, you know, a battle of submarines sitting on the seashore, you know. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to bring you on because, um, again, you are such a pool of knowledge. I We have you on on so many projects. I know you did plenty of interviews. And, you know, I think it's important to have a really strong security officer at a security and privacy company. So let's get into maybe, uh, I guess I also want to ask you just about your everyday job because you are the security officer. And I think maybe people will have questions about your just daily job. Do you fight off hackers here at Surfshark? What do you do exactly? Well, if you are fighting hackers manually, you're doing a bad job because uh, everything has to be automated uh, nowadays. So the thing I'm doing right now, it's uh, like set up and maintaining uh, automated systems uh, which protects our company. And first step, it's like deploying those systems. Quite hard task to do because many teams uh, has to uh, put their efforts together. And uh, the next step, when you implement something, it's to maintain the, the, those systems to react to alerts and uh, mitigate all this uh, bad, bad stuff happening. So now we have a like, uh, stage of some uh, relative stability. Uh, then majority of the systems are already up and running. You have to maintain them. But there is no... There's never a time when you can just rest. Yeah, there's always um, something. I, I guess I could compare your job to just like building a security wall that you always have to maintain, like just keep it strong so that nobody can penetrate it at any and, cost. And then someone's, someone opens the gate, you know. Oh, wow. Like one of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I see. So, well, hopefully we don't do that. <laughs> so this is, this is my, my nightmare, actually, inside the fret, because you can do so, so, so little about that. So uh, if you are... Um, try to look back into the biggest data breaches in history. So all those breaches have one thing in common, so social engineering and human mistake. Oh, yeah. Well, and we'll talk about that because uh, today's topic is actually about the things that we do every day that could potentially be extremely awful for our privacy. And uh, I have actually a list. Uh, but before we get to that list, I just wanted to ask, you know, if there's a malicious actor, a hacker, who do they target the most? Can they target your everyday Joe, who's just, you know, walking on the street here, they're living their own life. Yes, and the thing is that regular people are becoming a more and more lucrative target as we move on. Because if you remember this, um, you know, not ancient time, but maybe vintage times, if uh, then they had a dial-up internet. So the threat actors were targeting corporations and uh, some um, institutions because um, average consumer, they had nothing interesting for the hackers. Nowadays, everything changed, and the uh, average person becomes uh, as good target as a multi-billion corporation, because you can get profit practically from anyone right now. You can do, like, uh, try to hack a single company, 
and get your price. Or you can hack uh, like thousands or millions of average people and get the same amount of profit, maybe even better. And sometimes it's even safer to do it like that because uh, even if you hack thousands of people, usually no one will go after you. If you hack some oh, wow. Pentagon, you're in trouble. Oh, so basically... Yeah. In my opinion, it's safer to hack regular people and the profit can be the same. I see. And earlier we spoke about, before the podcast, uh, about cybersecurity being extremely a difficult thing. Let's just r- go into it and see what people can do and what people are not doing in their cybersecurity world. And I have a list of things. And I think the first one that comes to my mind is people not using 2FA, two-factor yeah, authentication. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, 2FA is becoming more and more popular, but I thought like maybe I would ask you, what do you think about 2FA? Plain simple, it's basic necessity nowadays. And uh, I don't know, if, if you want uh, to hear some elaborated answer on this question, how we came to this situation, maybe the those questions are hardly related uh, to password itself because TFA is like extension or hardening the password and why do we need to harden the password is it like an evolution of a password yeah so imagine password as a warrior on, on a field and if you remember the ancient times you had like warriors with lever protection nowadays we have like uh, armor plates with uh, you know some advanced ceramics so basically things are changing uh, cyber weapons are evolving Uh, machines that cracking passwords are evolving and um, passwords have to evolve and if if you would like to uh, deep dive into the history of passwords why this happened and we could actually start with maybe the first recorded cyber attack in history okay when when was it i I feel like okay do you have any guesses so when the (laughs) very first cyber attack happened (laughs) Like, I, I would imagine, you know, computers, uh, the internet started in, what, uh, 60s, 70s? So I would imagine that, you know, it's when the internet started. So it's like 30, maybe 40, 50 years ago. No, it's almost 30 centuries ago. So we had an event that could be classified as first uh, cyber attack. All right, let's hear it. What okay. is it? So imagine ancient Greece, a Peloponnesian wars, 400 years before Christ. And Athenians have the war with uh, Sparta. Okay. And uh, Sparta has a very um, strong ally, uh, city of Syracuse. It's, it's located in, in Sicily. And Athenians decided that they need uh, to defeat Syracuse uh, to get a phenomenal advantage in this war. So at uh, 400, I think, 13th BC, uh, a huge party of Athenians lead, uh, led by General Demosthen. They uh, arrived to Sicily and they attacked the city of Syracuse. And the Syracusans were really, really outnumbered. And numbers were very good for, for Athenians and it, it should have been like walk in the park for them. So they broke the first line, line of the defense. They broke the external wall, but decided uh, not to attack city right now because uh, it was a daytime and uh, it was easy to spot Athenians uh, for the defenders. So Athenians decided to attack at nighttime. So they're, they're harder to see and no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had it to see and they decided to uh, uh, do a final attack at night. And, uh, you know, attack has started uh, and they don't have, you know, any uh, night vision uh, stuff. They don't have some fancy flashlights. So basically what happened, uh, Athenian forces uh, were scattered in small groups and uh, uh, to regroup themselves. They used a watchword, which only was known to Athenians. 
like a password? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh. so if, if you see something silly in the dark and you're not sure is it for a friend, you use a watchword. And if answer is right, you just regroup and go forward. And the thing is that it was a credential leak because uh, Syracusean picked up this code and employed very nasty tactic. So, so they found out about the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, so, so Syracusean uh, got this password. And then Syracusean see a large group of uh, silhouettes on the horizon. We are listening for the uh, this um, watchword. If uh, this group uh, shouting this watchword, and this group is much bigger than Syracusean, uh, we retreated immediately. Oh. But if the group is smaller and saying this word, so Syracusean replied with this password, like like friends. So Athenians, oh, friends, uh, join us together. And they lowered their, their defenses. And then Syracusean's attacked uh, this smaller group and destroyed it one by That's one. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And in the morning, uh, Syracusean cavalry just cleaned up the rest of the Athenians, and it was huge, huge disaster. It's a catastrophic uh, failure of Athenians, and basically after this battle, Athenians lost the war, and after this war, Athens was were defeated and never restored their previous glory after this event. Just so, because of that y- simple mistake that uh, they made? No, 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 because maybe only this battle is it's called battle... Uh, uh, at uh, Epipol. Okay. Uh, but uh, this is like key battle to capture the Syracuse. They failed. Uh, Syracuse uh, uh, pushed back the Athenians. Then uh, Sp- Spartans did their trick. And basically, Athenians lost the war. And so, first uh, data breach in history. And uh, That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I could n- never guess that it was like hundreds of thousands of years ago. And you were quite right about the uh, first computers because uh, the second recorded uh, password abuse uh, was uh, during that time you mentioned, like in 60s. Oh. Because uh, in 60s, they had uh, uh, like first computers that was quite similar to the modern one and but they would take like uh you know the entire room the entire room <laughs> and they have consoles not like screens but consoles with lights and stuff and even during this time they came to the situation that they needed a password and uh, this happened in uh, 1961 at MIT so they had a computer system called uh, a compatible time sharing system and the idea was that a lot of specialists uh, wanted to work on this system but time was limited so the duration uh, this time, they created a login and password system. So you enter your password and you receive your four hours of work time with this system. Uh, one uh, PhD student decided that four hours you know, is not enough for him, you know, on this system. And this system lasted only for se- several months when the student hacked it. So basically, he found a file on this system which contained all the passwords and printed out this file. So they didn't really like even like secure it. Just it was just a file. Yeah, it was a file with the passwords, and the security it was security through obscurity. So basically, you uh, put file some, somewhere deep on the system and hope no one finds it. I and think people still do that. I mean, people. I, I'm yeah, sure there's. It's like uh, <laughs> half a century have passed, and they still employ this like uh, uh, you know this vintage techniques. But basically, yeah, they put this file on the machine, and. Well, majority of, of guys were quite, you know, disciplined and not even uh, considered this idea. But one guy, uh, he decided that he's smarter than anyone else, and uh, he did what he did. So basically, this first computer password, first recorded computer password, lasted only for several months. Okay. And uh, people started uh, questioning the password itself uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, and I, think I remember that... In the early 2000s, uh, Bill Gates predicted death of password as a single measure of protection. And around uh, this time, AT&T or, and uh, Kim.com 
he also claims that. So they invented a, a two-factor authentication system to strengthen the password. And uh, so it's like again evolution of the password. It's what wasn't just like yeah. one layer. It's now two layers with the two uh, FA. So basically, humankind uh, around uh, early two thousands they realized that uh, passwords are not safe enough, and you need to do something about the passwords. And the best idea we came we came at the moment, and and it is active right now to employ a two-factor or multi-factor authentication. So what, why is password not enough? Because what if you have a really long password? I guess my question is, can you crack any password? Yes, and the thing is, uh, why uh, we have such uh, huge uh, numbers of cyber crimes? Because uh, um, people, uh, they do not realize uh, how many ways uh, are out there to steal your password. And for example, people think that the only way to hack your password is to brute force it. And, and by brute forcing, you mean like try a d- d- yeah to try all the possibilities, uh, check one by one. Yes, this is the method, but it's it's most desperate method used by hackers because it's like if nothing works, you use a brute force. But uh, besides brute force, you can uh, get your password by abusing password recovery function. You can use social engineering on a support agent of a large company like Apple or Google. You can introduce yourself as a victim and fish this password out of support agents. You can infect the machine of the victim and put a keylogger on this machine, the program which records all the keystrokes. And the amount of methods are such big that it's very easy to steal the password if it's only password what protects you. I see. So... Because of that, we need to use 2FA. So does 2FA overcome all of those aforementioned, you know, ways of getting a password? No. No? It's still... Yeah, you, you, you can hack the 2FA too, but it's exponentially harder to do that. Like 100 times more difficult to hack someone uh, if they have 2FA. I'm not sure about the number, but, uh, well, you know, this joke about uh, uh, two hunt, uh, huntsmen running from the bear... And one huntsman uh, putting a sneakers while he's running, and the, you know this. And then the, the second one tells the first one, "Why are you putting sneakers? Because you you won't outrun the bear even in sneakers." And the guy answers, "I don't have to outrun the bear. I don't I have to outrun you." <laughs> so the idea behind this, uh, if you have uh, uh, TFA enabled on your accounts and some automated system are collecting passwords, you just too hard uh, target for them. Mm. And they won't spend much time on you. So you, you must realize that it's quite unusual for hackers to spend time on on, on individual person. At least uh, you did something really wrong and so, so someone really wants uh, to get you good, you know. But usually it's automated bots or crawlers where, which are working like 24-7 and trying uh, uh, to get the weakest of the pack. And if you are using only password, you are the weakest of the pack. You're the weakest link, essentially. So you... Yeah, and uh, the thing is that they did a research uh, on how many people uh, fell uh, um, uh, like uh, victims of a cyber attack during last year. And uh, around uh, two-thirds, the answer at, at, at in some extent or another, uh, we were victims of a cyber attack or they felt that we were attacked. Well, two-thirds, like. But I think its number is much higher because uh, remaining one-third maybe fell. They were hacked, but they don't even know about that. So basically, imagine playing ru- Russian roulette with uh, four bullets in, ch- in chamber. Would, would you play this kind of game? I don't think anyone would. <laughs> yeah, but uh, l- let that statistic sink in. So why do people like just not use 2FA? What's, I know, and I wanted to bring on this topic as well, uh, just talking about you know security and privacy 
over convenience, you know. And I think, you know, 2FA, it's easy to use. I think it's very easy to use. Um, but people still don't want to do it. So why people are still hesitant about using 2FA? Is it laziness? Is it lack of knowledge about, you know, cybersecurity? And they're probably thinking that they're not a target, essentially. Like, nobody wants my information. Yeah, so statistic is like that. So uh, if you are speaking about a, a private user, 2FA is used by 40% of users. If you are speaking about corporate uh, users, companies and employees, so this number is going like 60 or 75% because of uh, policies employed in companies. So basically, But not each company has these policies, yeah. so that's why the number is not like 100%. So uh, you have better chances to have your uh, account protected if it's a corporate account because uh, it's 60 to 75% are protected by TFA. If you have uh, private accounts, less than half are protected by uh, 2FA. And they did some research, uh, so why 2FA is, is not uh, used by people. And uh, uh, 33% of uh, answered that uh, they are not using 2FA because of user experience. It's like, it's boarding, it's cumbersome, and uh, it's user experience. That's uh, right. And, uh, and, you know, because you have to, like, pull out your phone, yeah, which yeah, takes a yeah, yeah. long time. It's they, just easier to type in a password, especially if it's a simple password. For phone is easy. Pulling out your, uh, you know, like, uh, security tokens and uh, entering the password or receiving the SMS and entering the password, this is cumbersome, but... Uh, it is a pain. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes. So, uh, 33%, uh, they named that user experience was the, uh, like, a bus killer. Uh, uh, 41% answered that... Uh, that complexity of the TFA was a, a big, uh, bigger problem for them. So they don't understand the uh, technical... Like how it works and it just, yeah, how it, it works. it's scary for them just because Which they Which app do you have to download? How to set up mm. it? Uh, how to enter uh, the uh, uh, TFA entry into, into this app? So it's too complicated for the people to set up a TFA app and use it. Uh, so complexity, it's 41%, almost the same as uh, user experience. And the, 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 the last one uh, uh, reason like is uh, 36%. Uh, they mentioned that it's uh, cost of the solution. Uh, yeah, because uh, some solutions, uh, if you're speaking about physical security, you have to buy some physical security keys, uh, some security tokens, and they... Like they don't cost like one box, you know. They may cost like fifty bucks each. So it's a physical key that you have to enter into your, like, say, if you want to log into your account, you're yeah. gonna put that key, Correct. like a USB key, yeah. into your. Yeah. 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 I see. And I wanted to ask you this. I guess this is more goes to like the oh the people who make the operating systems. Do you think that operating systems like Google, Apple, Microsoft, they should force? the use of 2FA. Like if you have a computer, you need a 2FA. Uh, all websites should have this by default because I don't think there's a website that doesn't require a password, right? I don't, I don't know any pa uh, you know, websites that do that. It's lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there's some you know, uh, websites that are there. But I think that if every website, you know, and it was a, sec uh, a security standard for yeah. the entire you know, industry, if every website asked you to have 2FA, I think uh, that would make it better, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, it would make it would make better for user, but it would make bad for the business for the money. And this this is the uh, the, the funny part is so companies uh, they decided uh, to do such thing about the passwords. So they decided to enforce some password complexity, and what they noticed that they have dropped revenue and dropped quite drastically, while uh, their competitors 
without uh, password requirements maintain the same profit. So companies decided that they care more about the profit than about uh, the user security. And uh, maybe you have noticed that in some part of history, we have like spike of uh, websites asking for complex passwords. And then this idea somehow like evaporated. It's exactly uh, true. Yeah. And, you know, the funny part is, uh, do you know that actually that Facebook allows you to make mistakes in your password? I did not know that. They yes. actually do that. Yes. Yeah. So basically, they have the algorithm that uh, they allow, uh, as far as I know, uh, three types of mistakes in your password, and it will be accepted. First of all, if you have a, a reversed uh, capitalization of your password. So basically, if you accidentally pressed the caps lock button and you entered your password in, in reverse caps. So if you uh, enter this kind of password, it will be accepted. No way. Yeah, that, that can't you, you should try it. <laughs> and the second one, it's a reverse capitalization. Decided to do that because many devices like mobile phones, they usually auto-capitalize the first letter of the sentence. And many, many users uh, make such a mistake uh, not knowing it because a mobile phone capitalized this first letter. So basically, if you have a first letter capitalized wrongly, his password is, is okay for Facebook. That's crazy. How is there should be, do you think that there should be like a, again, security standards somewhere in this industry? Because again, I understand like some parts of profit. I mean, if you're making a, an account for a business of some kind of service and there, there, you know, pops up a message saying you need to enable 2FA, I'm sure there's a, you know, a bunch of people who are going to click away and not do business with that service. But Facebook has no excuse at this point, like just doing what you just described. <laughs> uh, yes, they do. Actually, this method is not as bad as you think, but think about it. This password, in these cases, is not getting weaker in any kind, even getting stronger. So if you want to brute force this password, uh, you will gain, gain nothing from it. So passwords are not getting weaker, yet user experience are not impeded by this security. And you know this idea about anything. If you can't fight something, just lead it. So uh, the companies decided, if you cannot fight the laziness and strive for convenience of our users, uh, we need to give them what they want, yet uh, not uh, giving up security. It's a very hard task to combine both security and, and uh, convenience. And, you know, I, I have a joke that uh, two generals uh, who are fighting on the side of, of hackers or law enforcement, then they try to hack or they, they, anyone. So general laziness and general convenience. Oh, okay. So, and uh, you can see a lot of cases of criminals being caught because they thought, there is no way that some FBI co could like track me like for for four or five years, you know. Yes, they can. <laughs> and uh, after five years, uh, people get relaxed, you know. They uh, use uh, uh, easier passwords. Same goes with uh, um, you know this, with convenience. If uh, you have to enter long passwords like many times a day, you said, "Okay, I'm done with it. I, I'll make some password which is easy to remember because." Uh, uh, is getting too inconvenient for me. And people do it. And uh, uh, and the numbers of people who do it is quite staggering. And uh, one form of convenience is reusing the password. This is the thing that gives me a nightmare. I, I'm honestly, I'm just going to just come out and say I'm guilty of this. <laughs> I, I, I do have right now, if you want to hack me, if you're out there and you want to hack me, 
I do reuse some passwords. I'm guilty of this. But I will, after this podcast, I'm changing those passwords ASAP. But I think it's a good uh, thing to bring up, just sort of recommendations, what to do, because people are struggling. This is a struggle for people. It's a struggle for me. And if I, you know, there's, at this point, I have like hundreds of accounts online where... Yes, exactly. And how do I remember every password? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do I do that? So actually, you don't have to feel, uh, feel ashamed, you know, uh, in doing this because uh, there is a 72% of people like you. So reusing a password, it's not a fault exception. It's common practice. Okay. So I'm, I'm actually in the majority, not Yes, minor- you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> you are in, you're in, in the majority. So it, good for you. Psychologically, bad for me <laughs> as a cybersecurity officer because 72% of people confessed, maybe the number is much higher, that they reuse their passwords. And Password you're using, it's such a huge problem. Uh, and if you want to have some case uh, to understand why it, this is so bad, imagine you're using the same password for uh, um, almost everything, for, for your uh, social uh, me- network, for your uh, payment uh, providers, banking, and some, you know, cheap web stores, which don't have, even have uh, enough money to hire some uh, you know, a decent IT guy. But they have good deals. So you go in there yes. and uh, make an account. So you make an account. And re- you reuse the password. You, you, you reuse the password. And like in a few months, uh, this uh, website gets hacked. And basically they get your password, your email. And the next thing that uh, like any decent hacker would do, employ uh, a tactic called uh, um, password stuffing. So basically what... Uh, it's like uh, some some software, some 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 bot, which uh, takes uh, a database of leaked passwords, and try entering those passwords anywhere, like eBay, PayPal, Facebook. So it's an automated system, which automated th- system which works in in uh, tr- like fascinating uh, fascinating speed, and they're just trying all password passwords they got on all websites they know, and. Uh, uh, Nowadays, it's a data, data, data databases of leaked passwords like counts like billions of passwords, and if you check your uh, emails against those databases like have been pwned uh, and stuff like this, uh, you'll probably will find uh, that you had your password or your any other sensitive information leaked at some point of history, and if you have even a single record that something was leaked, you are a potential victim of um, credential stuffing. And the, the bad thing is that if you think that only small web shops uh, can be a victim of this kind of hack, think again. Because uh, even the biggest names in the industry... They leak, still get hacked. They still, still get hacked. You, you can name... Uh, uh, huge companies and then I don't want to do a, like bad uh, advertising on these companies <laughs> but you perfectly know how I'm speaking about uh, oh yeah uh, just the bird thing you know the <laughs> the the website with F letter on the logo <laughs> yes. some gaming company yes so yes. and they leaked like billions of passwords and uh, so what can people do because again it's it's a struggle so what is a good practice for creating passwords and uh, let's say if you have like 50 websites and you want to make a unique password for each one of those websites. Okay, so maybe today it will be the first time I'll give up my little secret how uh, do I do. Uh, I call I call my method password fizzbuzzing. 
Okay. Uh, do you know what is, what FISBAS means? No, I do not. So, uh, FISBAS is uh, ch- uh, like a children's game. Then uh, both uh, players uh, name uh, numbers in sequence, like one, two, three, four. And if number you are about to say uh, can be divided by three, you say FIS instead of it. Okay. If number is divided by five, you, you, you tell uh, buzz instead of this number. If number divided by three and five, you tell fizz buzz. So mm-hmm. let's employ this tactic on our letters. So imagine that. If your first letter is uh, voice, replace, uh, write uh, uh, fizz at the beginning of the password. Okay. So we have eBay. So first letter is... Yeah, it's E. Yes. So... Uh, the beginning of your password will go like this, fizz. Okay. Uh, now you put, you decide to put some special symbol after this special word. For example, you can decide that if it's a finance-related website, you, you could put a dollar sign. Mm. If it's uh, uh, some social network, you could put a hashtag sign. If it's something important, uh, uh, like personal important, like your photos, you can put a exclamation mark. So uh, fizz. It's because of first vowel, then you put a special symbol, and then you put the name of the resource, eBay. Oh, so that's I see what you mean now. That yeah. is that is a good uh, sort of way of creating yeah. passwords. And now after the eBay, uh, you put some number. Don't use sixty nine or for twenty. You know it's obvious. <laughs> so so put some special number. You for you easy to remember, and then close this password by the. Uh, his bus of the second letter. So letter B is con- uh, consonant, yes? Yes. So, so you put word? Uh, buzz. Buzz, correctly. <laughs> yeah, so this is the my algorithm. So eBay. So first letter E is vowel. That's why we use fees. Then we, it, it is finance website. We put dollar sign. We put eBay as a like, uh, like name of this uh, resource. Then you put some your number like, okay, 69. And then you put... Uh, <laughs> Uh, buzz because uh, second letter is B consonant. So you could use this like formula it, to create your own sort of yeah. al- algorithm. And, like, uh, yeah, and your own words. Maybe instead of fizz buzz, you could say, I don't know, wave and podcast or whatever. Yes. Like, and uh, you have to remember this um, uh, algorithm quite well. And basically, if you go to some website like in three years. And, and I can see the potential problem that uh, what if the website changes names? Like, you know, Facebook is going to be meta eventually. <laughs> so that there is, I mean, that yeah, happens yeah, very yeah, rarely. It, it's not perfect. But imagine the, the password length is it's immense. It's crazy, yeah. It's it's super long. That's awesome. Thank so, you for sharing this uh, this algorithm method. It's it's really so password cool. fizz buzzing. I call it li- this <laughs> way. Uh, I'm not I'm not like uh, uh, going for copyright of this name, but this is the way. I'm TM TM trademark. Tra- trademark. Yeah. So so <laughs> so yeah. Fizz buzzing. Pa- password fizz buzzing by but, Alex. But I'm wondering, what if people, even if this method is like you know, because there's a, a lot of lazy lazy people out there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and nothing wrong with that, but. Uh, is a password manager good enough? Yes, it is. Um, I, I'm not uh, into that group that says that password managers are bad because uh, you never know who behind uh, this password manager. Yeah, it's quite a, a paranoid reaction. But uh, like every time you have to measure, you know, constant pros of this solution. And it's quite hard to find something better right now than using a password manager because every other solution is much worse. And uh, 
Uh, if you don't want to mess around with uh, my uh, password feed buzzing, if it's too complex to you, just use a password manager. All right. So thank you for sharing those uh, you know tips on passwords and to if I, th- I feel like after this podcast, people will start like think twice before <laughs> not deciding to get yeah, to it. Uh, um, y- yes, you should because uh, uh, if you want some uh, a real life scenario, imagine your password is leaked on some cheap uh, internet store. Then hacker takes this password and unlocks your email. If hacker has your email, he basically has all your accounts which are linked to this uh, email because he could uh, abuse uh, password restoration function. When he has the uh, passwords uh, to all of your accounts, uh, hackers could uh, uh, hack into your uh, iCloud account, and those uh, by hacking uh, your iCloud account, they have all your photos, they have your GPS location. Uh, they may have access uh, to your uh, phone calls, uh, messaging, and they may have access to uh, all your banking, all your money. So basically, uh, just by leaving the unprotected password somewhere else, uh, it could lead like like a butterfly effect to total destruction of your digital identity. Which which is scary, extremely scary. And the, the, the scary thing is, it's how easy it is to do it. It's very easy to do it. And you don't need uh, special skills to do it. Uh, actually, they had a study about cyber attacks, and they found out that uh, from 97 to 99% of all cyber attacks, they employed social engineering. So basically, the hacker, as you imagine them, they are not uh, those like guys who are very good with electronics and, and, and computers. These are good psychologists. Okay, that's actually a good topic to talk about social engineering because it is a big, big problem nowadays. And, uh, so, so these guys are actually like pro-level psychologists who can make you yeah, do anything. Yes, and and the problem is that number of psychologists is much, much, much more higher than that number of uh, uh, technically, uh, you know, good hackers. So basically, uh, what I want to say that if you have if you have some numbers in your head regarding how many hackers out there multiply it um, uh, by a huge number because hackers are not only the guys who are good with computer hackers, it's psychologists too. Okay. So uh, there is a lot, lot uh, more of hackers than you might think about them. So, and uh, it's very, and, and a lot of tools for hacking, they made so convenient that almost anyone can use them. It's quite easy to find all this leaked database online if you spend some time. It's very easy to download uh, uh, password uh, stuffing software. It's very easy to download password cracker. And uh, the thing is, uh, almost anyone can do it if you uh, invest some time and effort. So let's paint a picture here. Let's just put an average Joe and let's paint a, a, a scenario, a hypothetical scenario of what a social engineering attack could look like for this person. So let's say they get a call or something. What would that would that look like? Well, uh, I'm not uh, I'm not putting my money on call because uh, keeping in mind uh, today's uh, uh, you know people they are afraid to make a phone calls. Oh, and yeah. People are afraid to answer the calls. So this is a bad idea for social engineer okay. to attack uh, using this vector because the majority of your victims won't answer this call. <laughs> I, I would do something with, uh, so, uh, with messaging, with messengers, with Discord, you know, with, uh, well, f- for all the guys' emails. So basically, uh, the attack vector would be uh, the uh, communication channels you're using uh, the most. So expect uh, uh, getting 
sending some fishy message on on Discord on, on some messenger and. Uh, the the scenarios and uh, the ways uh, way try to hack you it's like infinite and if you think that uh, you will receive email or message i'm a nigerian prince with 5 million dollars uh, that's all think again because uh, the scenarios are really really good and uh, they uh, they can target anyone and uh, anyone can uh, could fall into that so basically if uh, social engineering are employed against you you probably the the, the high, high percentage of chance that you would receive some kind of uh, message from outside asking you to do something uh, which is beneficial for the uh, threat actor. Clicking on some a link uh, of some link, kind. yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's classic, classic. You know, to um, download or open some file, it's also classic. And it could even start without a link. It would just start as a conversation of some kind. Like. Correct. Yeah. Sometimes uh, they have uh, this kind of communication uh, just to uh, gather information for a next attack. For example, if you are, hackers like to send like short and almost. Uh, n- uh, nonsense letters uh, to companies uh, asking nothing. But the thing is, uh, they are waiting for out-of-the-office emails, uh, auto-replies, to get a template of company email. So when they receive this auto-reply, they have a corporate template of uh, legit email, and the next attack, the real deal, will be done on this uh, nice-looking template, and which much more convincing that... Uh, blank, uh, you know, letter. And it, it, it will make them feel like, oh, this is coming from that, uh, you know. So, yeah, so during the first attack, they would receive, a, as I mentioned before, a template of the letter. They would receive a, a legit name of the uh, of your colleagues and they could uh, and they could imp- impersonate both template and both colleague. And that's already enough information to start yeah, yeah. an attack. And imagine uh, uh, some big boss is uh, like uh, having a vacation and they got the, the name or, uh, and email of big boss. And imagine uh, someone in the company getting some letter from CIO uh, asking to do something as, as soon as possible. And uh, a lot of people, because of this uh, sense of urgency and fear of uh, superiors, uh, would do stuff if found uh, double-checking the source of this letter. This is like psychology. Uh, to m- make your victim uncomfortable, make your victim anxious, and uh, people will do mistakes. Yeah, so uh, if you are a uh, target of uh, social engineering, expect the bad guy uh, trying to make you anxious. And you need to question them. Like the the your defense is probably just questioning every move that the, every uh, you know thing that they say, and you just ask them like, is this is this really the guy that I work with, or is this this really the person that they uh, say they are? Maybe not the person, but the outcome they want from you. If you should set uh, some some mental you know uh, red flags for yourself uh, for yourself, after those you won't do anything. For example, if someone asks to transfer money. This is a red flag, no matter the story. I if, see. That actually is a good point. Just question the what what they're asking you to yeah, do. Yeah, don't analyze the 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 the, the, the uh, trip. Analyze the destination. But I think the problem is that sometimes people just forget about that and they just do it anyway. They just uh, they forget about the action that they're doing and the potential consequences of that action. So they're just going to do it anyway. But it is a good point to do that. Now, you also mentioned about a boss going on vacation. And this was another topic yeah. that I wanted to bring up is about 
the social media world that we live in, you know, with the rise of Instagram, TikTok, Facebook has been a while for, in, for, for years, and Twitter. Nowadays, people share so much information. Too you know, much information. Too much information. And, and they share photos. Uh, think about the ingenuity of these guys and uh, how many information uh, can be retrieved from the, those photos. Uh, we had cases then kids uh, of, of rich and influential people were kidnapped because uh, the kids are posting uh, exact location uh, where they at, like at school, at home, and uh, the bad guys analyzed the movement of this kid, and uh, they kidnapped uh, a kid and asked for ransom. And it overshare everything. Overshare. And uh, imagine uh, yourself uh, taking a like, selfie at your workplace, and behind you is your work screen with, uh, you know, confidential uh, source code uh, with... Uh, like terminal window with uh, IP addresses, uh, your network structure. And actually, we had this case in our company. And then our colleagues shared this kind of uh, photo and with really sensitive information on the screen. Uh, I see. I think I remember that when yeah. it happened. Yeah, that, that, that's also crazy. So this world, it is a scary world for, for everybody who understands cybersecurity. I think it, it scares me. I think that like, people overshare a lot of the things. Yeah. Uh, even if you don't know that person, you can know so much about it. A person where they live, what they do, everything. Every, people just love to share what they do, and and it's an, an it's an unfortunate event that you know we have these criminals that can get this information out of us from just us posting on social media. Um, so just to sum up our just general tips, so use a strong password. Hopefully, you know you used uh, uh, the algorithm that we shared. Uh, use two FA. Don't yeah. fall for social engineering tactics or anything like that. Uh, don't fall for sketchy links. Um, is there a way to check links maybe before? Yes, yes. There are some websites. Uh, if you have some uh, sketchy link, uh, and usually sketchy links are those which are shortened, uh, where you can see you can't see the exact uh, content which is behind it, like a goo.gu. You know these shortened links or yes. a tiny URL. And there are some websites, like, uh, you, you can Google, like, uh, shortened links expander. And it will give you, like, an exact... Uh, it, it, it will give you a website. You just paste uh, this uh, official link, uh, this website. It will expand it. And you can uh, use a, a website, uh, virustotal.com. You can, like, uh, paste this link uh, on this website, and it all it will uh, not only, uh, like, expand this link, and but also will check... Uh, uh, by antivirus software uh, or, or if it's uh, safe or if it's uh, malicious. But keep in mind that uh, there is no silver, silver bullet for any uh, solution. And if it's really, really fresh uh, malware, even uh, the coolest uh, antivirus solutions won't help you. So the last line of defense is your common sense. So to sum up, uh, yeah, you, you, was, you, you were perfectly right. So password manager and 2FA. All right, Alexandro Valenti, our security officer here at Surfshark. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I do hope to have you for you know join us for a future episode because you know so much about cybersecurity, and I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of uh, all the cybersecurity topics that we want to cover on this. Yes, uh, you show. did. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you left some some dance on on my surface, you know. <laughs> so uh, we hope to have you in yeah. the future. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And again, if you want more of these podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on uh, you know Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But for now, I have to say goodbye from us here at Surfshark. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.